following message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember hearing a, a joke years ago about a Jewish man who was confronted by a masked man in an alley in Belfast. Have you heard this one? And the guy held him up and said, listen, are you a Catholic or a Protestant? And the poor Jewish man said, neither, I'm a Jew. And the reply was, yes, but are you a Catholic Jew or a Protestant Jew? <laughs> Anybody have that problem? The whole world wants to identify us and wants to pigeonhole us, wants to put us in a box wants to identify us by our background, by our parents, by our culture, by our tradition, by our politics, most of all by our mistakes, by our past. Do not let them do that. We cannot allow ourselves to be trapped or be put in a box, praise God. But how can we expect the world to look at us and see Christ if we, the church, can't look at ourselves and see Christ? And that's what the ministry of the gospel is doing. It's opening our eyes, praise God to who we now are. So everyone who is born of the world, this world, is living from their past and is identified by their past. But everyone who is born of the Spirit can live from a different past, a different identity, can live as an entirely new creation. And if we will no longer live from man's opinion of who we are, but from God's opinion of who we are, uh, we can do this. We can, as the church, we can hear the Spirit of God, we can hear what the Spirit is saying to us rather than what the world is saying to us. So what I want to speak about this morning really is this works. There's that beautiful scripture actually because when we actually say this concerning um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, this is the scripture that really ministers. What I wanted to, to speak about this morning, oh, I thought, it, well let me just go straight to this scripture because what we're speaking about is who we are in God's eyes and how the Holy Spirit gives us God's eyes who we are in God's eyes, and how the Holy Spirit gives us God's eyes. And this one verse actually sums up both. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's a beautiful scripture. That phrase bears witness. The original Greek word there means collaborates with evidence, jointly testifies with our spirits. And I believe the evidence of that is, is peace. But note the tense the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are. He testifies of who we now are. That is a fundamental building block to walking in the Spirit. If we don't realize who we now are in Christ, we cannot live as who we now are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 confirms that tense. It's, you know it so well. If anyone is in Christ, he is, not will be, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become, past tense, new. I know we've been over these scriptures so often. But if what is being taught to you as a Christian is not declaring to you, is not speaking to you, is not treating you as if you now are a child of the Spirit, it is not of the Spirit of God. I'll say that again. If what you're being declared to, if what are you being taught, if what is being spoken to you, is not treating you as if you now are a child of God, as a believer, 
then you are not hearing something which is of the Spirit. Because how can the Spirit of God speak to you as if you're not a child of God when that same Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are a child of God? So I don't really care how packed a message is full of various scriptures given to me if the effect of that message on my life as a believer is to leave me doubting as to whether in fact I actually am a child of God, I say again, how can that message be of the Spirit, the same Spirit who God's Word declares is every moment of the day bearing witness with your spirit as a believer that you are children of God. You know, we're talking this morning, I guess, about knowing in your knower. Does anybody know what knowing in your knower means? You just know in your knower. I've lost track of the number of people who are coming into a revelation of the gospel and they all say the same thing. I just knew that I believed this. <laughs> Even though I never heard it, I just knew that I believed it. I know that I know that I know in my knower. I've had experiences like that where uh, there's been absolutely no physical evidence for what I've known, but I've known it, you know. I remember once I went to a planning meeting for a conference and uh, we decided on who were the speakers of that conference and, uh, uh, but on the way to the meeting, the Lord had really put it in my heart that I was going to speak at that conference. And as we came away, um, it was all done and dusted, and I wasn't. My name wasn't even mentioned. But on the way home, this thing came up again. You are speaking at the conference. I remember texting Nicola from the plane saying, guess what? The Lord says I'm speaking at the conference. Nobody else does, but the Lord does. <laughs> you know, I had no evidence for that. And yet, within a couple of weeks, I got an email saying, you're one of the speakers. I haven't dared to ask how that happened. I was just very glad it did. But you know things in your knower that you cannot simply know in your mind because the Holy Spirit witnesses with your spirit and your spirit is different, is deep, deeper, as it were, even than your intellect. So what I'm saying is there is a level of knowing that is deeper than the natural understanding. Can you say yes to that? Here's the scripture for that, 1 Corinthians 2.14. You know this well. The natural man does not accept the things of the spirit. Why? For they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. There is a level of knowing that is deeper than the natural understanding. Why? Because the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirits. So time and time again, we have people making this, converse, this confession. Deep down, this is what I always believed about God. As people come into a revelation of the finished work. Deep down, this is what I always believed about God. Because the Holy Spirit is always witnessing to the spirit of a believer. And of course, as we'll see, he's witnessing to many people across the world. Uh, it's just that really, by the grace of God, our eyes and our ears are opened. Deep down, deeper than your learned experience is your spirit. And it is to our spirits that the Holy Spirit witnesses. So what the Holy Spirit bears witness to is who we are in God's eyes. So what we're speaking about this morning is who we are in God's eyes and how the Holy Spirit gives us God's eyes. What the Holy Spirit witnesses to is who we are in God's eyes. So a Christian convert is someone who has received that revelation. But a Christian disciple is someone who's living from that revelation. Who we are in God's eyes and how the Holy Spirit gives us God's eyes. In God's eyes, every believer is a child of a spirit, but not every believer is yet living as a child of a spirit. How grown up we are in the Spirit, how mature we are as Christians, can be seen simply in how much we have let what the Holy Spirit is witnessing to our spirits rule our thoughts 
and so transform our behavior. Am I living as a child of God or am I still trying to become by self-effort, by religion, a child of God? If you're a born-again believer and you're trying to be a Christian, then you're still identifying yourself, still living from your flesh, from your natural senses. Why do I say that? Well, because if you live from your natural senses, then after a day of prayer and fasting, you may actually feel like a Christian. But don't worry, it won't last long. For after watching an episode of Coronation Street or whatever soap you watch, you won't feel very much like a Christian at all. Isn't it strange how they're called soaps, but the last thing you feel after watching them is clean? If you as a Christian, someone born of the Spirit of God, are still trying your hardest to be a Christian, to be a child of the Spirit, then you're not yet living from your spirit. For in your spirit, that question was settled the moment you became a Christian. For from that moment onwards, the Holy Spirit has been bearing witness with your spirit that you are. Not will be. You are a child of God. Hey, that's worth dancing around the church for right there. This is what the Holy Spirit says. Never mind what people say. Never mind what people judge you. And never mind, as we said this morning, what you're saying over yourself. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. If you're a believer here, he's witnessing to the deepest part of you, the deepest part of your identity, to your spirit, that you are a child of God. You just haven't learned to listen to the Spirit, for you're too caught up listening to what people are saying, because you're too concerned with what other people think of you. I'm just reading you what the Holy Spirit says to me. You just get to hear what God preaches to me. It's good, isn't it? Have a look at this. If you don't allow the witness of the Holy Spirit to tell you who you are, then you'll always look to people to tell you who you are. Worth saying again. If you don't allow the witness of the Holy Spirit to tell you who you are, you'll always look to people to tell you who you are. And if you don't think this morning that you're a very good Christian, it's because you think that people whose good opinion you value don't think you're a very good Christian. Can I let you in a little cigarette this morning? This is why I've got a PowerPoint. Some of the stuff I'll put up you'll find hard to believe. Here we go. Are you ready for this? In God's eyes, every Christian is a very good Christian. Because in God's eyes, no one ever made or makes themselves a Christian. Do you understand that? It's good, isn't it? Only God makes Christians, and everything God makes is good. In fact, it's very good. Here's the gospel. You don't become righteous through a sinning less life. You are made righteous through a sinless life. You don't become righteous through a sinning less life. You were made righteous through a sinless life. You weren't made a sinner through your sinning. Romans 5.19 declares this, that you and I were made sinners by the disobedience of one man, the first Adam. But if by the grace of God, the very faith of God, the very Spirit of God is in you today, then I have good news for you. You don't have to spend one more day trying to become righteous, trying to be a Christian by your obedience. You can instead hear the gospel, hear what the Holy Spirit has been witnessing to your spirits, that it is through the obedience of one man 
that you were made righteous. And that man is not you. It's Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's, you've got to see the scripture for that one, haven't you? Romans 5.19 For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Who was that? Who was the one man? That was Adam. Even so, through the obedience of the one, who's that? The many will be made righteous. Now, if you don't allow the witness of the Holy Spirit to tell you who you are, then you'll always look to people and their opinion of your Christian performance to tell you who you are. The biggest obstacle in my life to growing in the Spirit for years, to allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me beyond my experience, is the fear of what other people will say. You see, fear dominates the natural man. You have got to get sick to the back teeth of being afraid of what people will think to stop letting what your family or friends think dominate your life. You just got to get sick of it. That's how I came to faith. I got sick to the back teeth of being afraid of what people would think. So I says, I'm having what Nicola has. <laughs> and so you come to that place in your life again and again. If you're to grow from being in the flesh to walking in the spirit, you've got to come to the end of self. I read this quote from a Christian minister this week. I thought it was very good. Not being liked won't kill you, but being controlled by certain people's opinions and approval just might. So to grow as a Christian, I don't need to do more. I need to listen more to what the Holy Spirit is witnessing to my spirit. We're talking today about who we are in God's eyes, how this Holy Spirit gives us God at God's eyes. He simply does that by speaking to us, and we learn his voice. Now, you might ask the question, well, how do we learn his voice? Well, if I had to answer that, I would say slowly and painfully. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. You know how I've learned to hear the voice of God? By following every other voice to a dead end. By going round in circles through following voices that kept directing me to me. You know what happens when you keep looking at yourself? You'll walk around in circles. Try it sometime. Try watching your feet when you walk. See where you end up. Every other voice we listen, we listen to leads us nowhere, leads us in circles. Do you want to hear the voice of the Spirit? Then learn to stop listening to religious messages that all your life have pointed you to yourself and spoken of what you could be, if only. What you could be, if only. Learn to listen to the only voice that never points to you and tells you you could be, but only ever points to Christ and tells you you are now. That's what the Holy Spirit says. That's what he ministers. The voice of the Spirit who bears witnesses to your spirit and mine that we are a child of God as believers. See, the Holy Spirit always declares, we, we did this a few weeks ago, that the time in God's eternal life is always now. The Holy Spirit always declares what is now true in God's eyes. And, of course, the timing of heaven is, is not chronological in that sense. The Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So to learn to hear the voice of the Spirit, the Spirit just doesn't say the things that people say. You know, religious messages always tell you to try harder, to do more. Tells you things that are possible. The Holy Spirit never asks you to do the possible. He always asks and declares the impossible. Because he sees that you and I are in union with the impossible God. The God who raises the dead. So to grow in my sonship, I need to grow in being led by what the Holy Spirit is saying to my spirit and not by what the world is saying to my natural senses. 
For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. So to grow as a Christian means to grow as a child of the Spirit, somebody who's been trained by the Holy Spirit to know the difference between hearing and knowing something in your knower, that's your spirit, and merely knowing something by the natural learned experience. You know, many of us have sat in church for years and regarded ourselves as mature Christians simply because over the years we have learned to do and say the things that Christians do and say. After a number of years, you know, it's quite possible that we can pray the sort of prayers that Christians pray. We can sing the sort of songs that Christians sing. We can tithe and give as Christians give. We can express all the right opinions about the things happening in the world that Christians so often express. And we can learn to come to all the right meetings at all the right times and say all the right things. In fact, you know what? As the years go by, we can build up so much natural experience of doing church that we end up doing church by our natural experience. And the dangerous thing is that because we constantly quote the Bible and use spiritual language, we aren't even aware that we've been in fact trying to live the Christian life in our natural strength and not by hearing the voice of the Spirit. You know, I know this is a, this is a tough message for me, but I, you know... To get to the end of yourself is one of the greatest things that ever happened in your life. That's how you got saved. And it's how you grow every time. Lovely picture of the eagle when he molts and all the feathers drop off and the beak drops off and he's able to go higher. Praise God. If we don't learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and live from the truth that we now are righteous in God's sight, then we will inevitably revert to our religious default mode we will start trying to become righteous in our own strength. If we don't see who we are in God's eyes by allowing His Holy Spirit to give us God's eyes, if we will not live as children of the Spirit, then we will live from our natural feelings and we will try to live as Christians from our natural strength. And that's happening everywhere. It's happened in my life for many years. And I want to give you two warning signs that we are trying to live as children of God, children of the Spirit, in our natural strength. Two warning signs that I am trying to live as a child of the Spirit in my natural strength. Number one, you will come to a crisis. You will come to a breaking point. You will come to the end of your strength. It may take a while, but hang on in there. A crisis is coming. A crisis is coming. If you are trying to be righteous in your own strength. Church life, trying to be a good person, apart from the apartment of God's Spirit, will kill you. It's already destroyed the lives of countless thousands of people. The biggest denomination in Ireland is people who have left church because it nearly killed them to try and be a good Christian. They don't have the energy to keep trying and failing to try and become something. Because without a revelation from the Spirit of how delighted God is in you, the routine condemnation and guilt that Christians lay in each other and paths off as the gospel will suck the very joy out of you, which is your strength. The revelation of who you now are and where you now are in Christ. Years ago, I remember an older Christian telling me this. The church is the only army in the world that shoots its own wounded. Have you ever heard that? Every day in this nation especially in pastoral ministry, people are burning out and dropping out. So when I see believers come to the end of themselves now 
come to what looks like a great personal failure in their lives as a Christian to live up to what other Christians see as a standard. I don't see them anymore merely as people who are more closed off to church. I see them now as people who are more open to grace than they've ever been in their lives. That's why I love to see broken people come through that door. Because it's through brokenness we came to him. It's through the revelation that your idea are holy and my idea are holy was nothing like who he is. And your idea of being a good person is nothing like how good he is. And that's the job of the law, to bring you to that revelation. The reason I preach grace is very simple. I wanted to walk away too. And the only reason I'm here is the grace of God. And the grace of God, as you know, is his divine influence. That's what we believe the grace of God is. His divine influence. His very Holy Spirit. Who bore witness one day with my spirit that I am a child of God. Irrespective of all the Christian things that I managed to do or didn't manage to do. You see, the Spirit always gives birth to Spirit because the I am always produces the I am. Here's the second warning sign that we're trying to live as children of the Spirit in our natural strength. Sooner or later, the things of the Spirit will appear to you as foolishness. For the more you rely on your natural experience of doing church, the more naturally minded you become. And unfortunately, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So what are these things of the Spirit of God that appear foolishness to the natural mind? I believe there's nothing that appears more foolish to the natural mind than what the Apostle Paul called the gospel of God's grace. What he also called the ministry and the message of reconciliation. That God is such a good father that through Christ, 2,000 years ago, he abolished religion. <laughs> and that sounds foolish, doesn't it? The whole world's full of religion. How did he do that? You've got to see the scripture for that one. You know it so well. I love putting this up. Christians, some Christians actually believe this stuff, you know. It's amazing, isn't it? By reconciling the whole world to himself through Christ, he is now no longer counting people's sins against them. You know, people come from time to time to me and they'll say, why don't you move on from that message and preach something else? So I better give you the answer. I'll make you a deal, Okay. Here's the deal. When I look out across the body of Christ and see the church preaching the gospel, preaching the message of reconciliation, that what religion in Ireland, Catholic or Protestant, has never been able to do, reconcile the people to God, that Christ did at the cross, then I'll preach something else. But that's not what I see. What I see is the church, and I include myself in this every day, because God is taking a dealing with me. What I see is the church got so good at doing church in our natural strength that to us, being a Christian became all about what we were doing for God, all about what we looked like in the natural, rather than what we looked like in the spirit. We got so caught up in what we were doing for God, like the elder brother, we began to assume that God sees us in the same way, that he sees us according to our works, and that he sees us after the flesh, and that he sees us and names us and speaks to us in that way after our past, after our natural heritage. You know, God does not speak to people as Presbyterians, 
as Baptists, as Apostolic, as Pentecostals, or Catholic Protestants, Loyalist Republican. He does not speak to people in that way. God does not relate to men through their works. Right the way through this book, from Genesis to Revelation, the Spirit of God has always spoken to men and women according to his eternal purpose for them. Does the Creator, the Father, from whom all families take their name, not have the right to name and call people according to his own mercy and grace? Did you name yourself? Or was it your parents who named you? Has he not, as 2 Timothy 1.9 declares, saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. You know, if you have your Bible, underline those words, not because of anything we have done. Not because of anything we have done. For years, you know, churches like ours have struggled to witness to communities around us. We know we're called to reveal Christ to them, and it has broken our hearts to see cities like this one where there are tens of thousands of people who run headlong into the world looking for their worth, looking for their value, and so few find their liberty and their true value and their true worth in the gospel. And that breaks our hearts. Why is it that the prostitutes, the addicts, the thieves, those who wouldn't be caught dead in the temple flocked to Jesus? Why the religious opposed him? Whereas today, our churches, by and large, don't attract the pub crowd that flock to Jesus. They only tend to attract religious people. I'm being more and more convinced by the Spirit of God that the only message that carries the power of God to change people's minds about God is the message of how God sees them. He sees them and he names them according to what he has done for them, not according to what they have or have not done for him. So we've been speaking this morning about how God sees us through his eyes, how his Holy Spirit gives us God's eyes. And let me remind you what the first Adam said when he looked through eyes of flesh at Eve. Can anybody remember? I mentioned this on Monday night to the ladies' meeting. What did Adam say when he finally saw Eve? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He said, whoa. He said, at last, flesh of my flesh. Now, many of us have Christians... As Christians, we've described ourselves after the first Adam. For years, we've thought of ourselves after the flesh, after our deeds. The name we have given ourselves is sinners. Here's the key truth to take away this morning. God does not name us after our deeds or speak to us according to our deeds. He names us after his deeds and he speaks to us according to his deeds. My father never asked me what I wanted to be called. Did yours? God identifies us and relates to us on the basis of what he has done and who he declares us to be. And do you know the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit right now that you are a child of God? Amen. The gospel declares to every person their real name. This is what we can declare to every person out there. Here's your real name. Worth God dying for. That's your name. Worth God dying for. Of infinite worth. Made in God's image for God's presence. That's your name. 
To be born again is to be born of a God who is spirit. It is to respond to your name and receive in that name the fatherhood, the spirit of God. So the first Adam, when he saw Eve, he cried out, Now, flesh of my flesh. But the last Adam, he looks at us and he says, At last, spirit of my spirit. The world who cannot see by the spirit can only treat you as they see you. And they don't see you as a spiritual being. They see you as a natural one. They can only address you and relate to you according to your natural past. This world, even Jesus' own disciples, without the Holy Spirit, they could only relate to Jesus according to his natural history. They could only relate to him as a rabbi from Nazareth. Only by the Holy Spirit, only by seeing what the Spirit sees, can a man or woman relate to people as God sees them. Paul was able to write this to the Corinthians. We used to regard Jesus from a natural point of view, after the flesh, but we don't anymore. In fact, now we regard no man after the flesh. Why could he say that? Because they'd learned to see by the Spirit. And as Christians, we are the people who've received the Spirit that doesn't see people after the flesh, doesn't see people after the natural history, doesn't see Catholic, Protestant, Republican, loyalists, but sees people the way God sees them. Is that not what got Jesus into trouble again and again with the religious? He refused to treat people according to the past because he didn't see them according to the past, according to the flesh. He was able to do that because he knew something that nobody else understood. He was going to give all who desired it a brand new past. So why should he treat them according to their past? That's what the cross did. Jesus was giving us his life, his record, his past in exchange for ours. So that now we, as people, full of God's Spirit, we can see people as Jesus saw them, and we can speak to people in the same way that Jesus spoke to them. And as people who've received God's eyes, we can now speak to people. Not according to how the world sees them, not according to how they even see themselves, but according to the Spirit, how God sees them. Do you know what happens to people when the Spirit speaks to them? Whoa! The testimony of God's Spirit, the testimony of Jesus, is the Spirit of prophecy. And prophecy imparts the life of God to people. Remember Jesus said to his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And I believe he was drawing from them, drawing from them, as the Word of God does, the prophetic. And uh, who do you say that I am? Do you remember Peter He got a revelation. He looked in that moment by the Spirit. He saw Jesus differently. He didn't just see a rabbi from Nazareth. He said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus immediately said, Peter, that's how I'm going to build my church. That's how I'm going to build my church. I'm going to give people the ability to see what God sees so that they may speak as God speaks. For when God speaks, faith comes. When God speaks, people who are dead in their sin become alive to God. When God speaks, and in his plan A, and he has no plan B, that his church would be his voice on the face of the earth. But how are we to speak as God sees of people out there if we will not first even begin to see ourselves as God sees us and speak of ourselves as righteous in Christ? You know, when Jesus was an eight-day-old baby, he was brought to the temple. And there was a man called Simeon who was filled with the spirits. And in that moment, he saw one baby that didn't look like any other baby. And he picked him up and he said, Behold, Lord, so good you have been to me to let me see my own salvation. Do you see what it is to see by the Spirit? 
I think all the time of Zechariah, that lovely man who waited for years and years to have a child with his wife. And eventually when the angel told him, he couldn't believe it. And God did a very interesting thing. He struck him dumb so that he would not speak in the flesh over this child that Elizabeth was carrying. It was so important. John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from the day he was born, the Bible says. It was so important that words of the Spirit, that people spoke over John the Baptist, who he was in the Spirit, that God shut the very mouth of his father until the day when John came to be named. Do you remember that wonderful day? And everybody wanted to name him after his family. And they finally turned to, to Zechariah and said, so you're naming him after your family. You're naming him by the natural. Are you going to see your son just as your son, your natural? Or are you going to see something different? And he took the pen and he wrote on the tablet, his name is beloved of God. Beloved of God. And that's why you and I are given the spirit of God. That we would, our tongues would be the pen of a ready writer. And we would write over people a new name. That we would speak to them as God sees them. Hello, beloved of God. Not all people will believe us. But some will. And those who will are changed entirely and forever. It's not up to us to say who changes and who doesn't. Who will receive and who not. It's up to us to speak of them as God sees them. How can we do that if we cannot even see ourselves? At times, you know, as churches, and let me finish by saying this, we pull our hair out wondering, why is it that to this world, they're not hearing what we have to say? It's as if we've been struck dumb and no longer have a voice. No one seems to be able to hear us. Perhaps we should try seeing people and speaking to people and calling people by the name God gives to them. Beloved of God. Let us speak to people after the Spirit according to how God sees them, worth dying for, worth giving everything for, ready for me to marry and move in with. That's how God sees people. When Jesus spoke to people in such a manner, many did not believe him, but those who did were utterly changed. And so, you know, he said things that nobody had ever said before. He didn't speak to people like all other people spoke, to the cripple laid in through the roof. Do you remember what he said to him? Hello, he whose sins have been forgiven. That caused quite a stir, didn't it? You can't say that. Yes, you can when you see people by the Spirit. To the sinful, he said, hello, forgiven. To the sick, he said, hello, healed. To the dead, he said, hello, sleepy. To the grieving, to the barren, and to the widow, he said simply, sing. Sing. Now, I'm not going to leave us with a challenge about what we as people of the Spirit have been saying over our families. I'm not going to challenge you about what you've been saying over your family or over your street, because sadly most of us in the body of Christ are not familiar enough with the voice of the Spirit to be at the point where we can even let him prophesy through us over the souls of this generation that God actually sees them as Paul's. That's because before we can see and speak to others as the Spirit sees them, we have to first see ourselves as the Spirit sees us. And that's why we preach the gospel of God's grace continually for the only message that will cause the church to begin and see and live and speak as children of God today is the message that because we've been entirely saved by grace, then we are today, not will be, but we are today children of God. Now let the Spirit himself bear witness with the Spirit of every person here that we are children of God. We have heard for long enough through what the mind of the first Adam, the natural man, has said over his bride, flesh of my flesh. Now let the church 
here with the voice of the last Adam, the life-giving spirit, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy has to say over his church, now, at last, spirit of my spirit. And that's what the Lord is saying to his church. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I'm going to make a declaration. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so gentle. You're so gracious. You're so patient. And Lord, you declare there is now, there is now, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The voice of condemnation, the voice of measuring never came from you, Lord. For how can you disagree with yourself? You don't measure us against the standard. You have given us the standard. You have given us Christ. And your Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are today as believers, children of God. And so, Lord, you've declared today for us, the Lazarus Church, to come forth, come forth and confess today that we, the church, bound tightly up in religion for a season, are rising up in newness of life. For the wind of the Spirit is blowing, and we are being carried along so that in this nation we can prophesy to the dead bones. There is already an almighty rattling of bones in this nation. Let the dead bones of religious observance be rattled so hard that the eyes and ears of multitudes in the church will begin to open to the voice of the Spirit and rise out of their past to live in newness of life. We declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Bless you, bless you, bless you.